bring me you're tired you're stressed you're overwhelmed and anxious yearning for some joy in life it's time to go out and play to the Playgrounding Podcast. This is Kara Stewart-Fortier, and today we're going to talk about courage. What does courage have to do with play? Well, that's what you're going to find out. On today's episode, we're going to talk with Stacey Newman-Weldon of Adventure Wednesdays about the first chapter of her Finding Fun playbook, the chapter on courage. And I'm also going to talk a little bit about courage myself. But first, I want to give you a brief update on Playgrounding. It's been over four years since I started it. And in the beginning, it was my play. I had no idea where it was going, but it was fun to do at the time, especially since I was just beginning my own journey of healing. And healing can sometimes be very painful, and mine definitely was, but I knew I needed to stick with it. It required more of me than anything I have ever done. Um, the only alternative was giving into this giant black hole that was opening up in front of me, and that's never fun. And during that healing time, sometimes it made sense to keep working on playgrounding, but then sometimes it really didn't. And I got off to some false starts, false restarts, I should say, um, but I just wasn't ready. And then I got to the point in my healing where I could really begin to dream again, and I could dream about a future. Um, and all that dreaming really led me somewhere I thought I would never, ever go again. And that's back to my roots. You see, I used to be a worship pastor. Um, I got my master's at an evangelical seminary and I was planning to work toward ordination. But for a lot of reasons, I am not a good fit for the evangelical church. Um, but the work itself, working with people and all of the things that it entailed was something I really loved and I had been planning on doing ever since I was 18 years old. So giving it up was really hard. It was really, really hard. and. Um, and it's been over seven years now. Um, but now, once again, I am working toward ordination again. But this time, as an interfaith chaplain, I'm attending All Paths Divinity School. It's based here in Los Angeles. The people are amazing. I have a Zoom call with them every Tuesday. That Tuesday, um, I look forward to it every week. Um, but from the beginning of my conversations with this school, the faculty loved the idea of playgrounding and making it a part of my work as a chaplain. And oh my goodness, everything just clicked. I mean, I was so afraid that if I committed to playgrounding, it would get in the way of whatever vocation I would finally settle on because I've been trying to figure out what in the world I was going to do. It's really hard for former clergy um, to find another life. It's definitely a difficult thing to transition out of. Um, but now a lot of things are fitting together for me and playgrounding is going to be a major part of it. Now, don't worry. That doesn't mean I'm going to start pushing religion on playgrounding. In fact, it's exactly why I decided to go into interfaith work. Um, and I'll be rolling out what that means in the coming months. But for now, let's have a conversation about courage, why we need it, especially right now, and where it can lead us if we follow our heart's lead, even when we're scared. I think courage is a very timely topic, especially right now when fear is so much a part of everyone's lives. And we're not just afraid of the coronavirus and all of the new confusing symptoms of COVID-19. We're afraid of each other. We're even hurling insults back and forth about fear. 
about fear. I mean, one person says, wearing a mask means you're afraid and you shouldn't be afraid. And another person says, carrying a gun means you're afraid and you shouldn't be afraid. Well, maybe I, I take that back. It feels like we're telling each other we shouldn't be afraid, but I think we're just telling each other what we should be afraid of. And if you're not afraid of the same things as I am, then you're bad. Um, so I think just talking about fear in the first place is a really great place to start. And we talk about fear. Um, a conversation about courage is always very closely behind. Um, it's really important right now before we start any of this to acknowledge that we are all afraid of whatever we're afraid of. And you can't change that in another in another person at all. So let's just stop and look at the whole world and say, look, everyone is scared. It was true before all of this started. Um, but right now it's an urgency. It's an urgent truth that we need to be able to wrap our heads around. Um, the reality of the situation is that there are a lot of really big, overwhelming problems happening in the world. Duh. But they're not so overwhelming if you think about the two important ways that we can work on changing this together. Now, this isn't some pie in the sky thing. It might sound like it. But if you really think about the implications, if everyone were to do this, it would be fantastic, right? Um, but I know we're all kind of down, Debbie Downers about any of that happening. But hey, let's just let's just think about it without throwing it away first. Um, of course, number one, the number one thing is to take care of ourselves and our families, to behave responsibly, to cooperate with our fellow citizens and make sure the hospitals don't get overrun with COVID-19 patients. Just have compassion with each other, do the right things. Um, that's tricky right now in our political climate. Um, it shouldn't be. It's, it's tricky and it's hard, but let's just do what we can do. That's one thing, where, one place where we can start that we all know about already. And we might think that's hard, but I think it's not as hard compared with number two. Um, but I think number two can actually have a much bigger impact. The second thing we can do to help our communities, ourselves, our cities, states, nations, the world, is to have courage to face our emotions and work through them instead of taking them out on others. And you might be thinking, what could my emotions possibly have to do with anything that's happening in the world right now? Well, a lot of things. You're not the only one on this planet going through exactly the same thing. If you've been on social media lately, you might notice the widening cultural divides, the name calling, spiteful rhetoric, videos of people fighting over face masks on the floor at Target. So many things. And you might not be out there doing those kinds of things, but hear me out. See, I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown, and there's one thing she says all the time that punches me in the gut every time I hear it. She asks, do you ever have a bad day and you come home and blow up at your spouse over nothing? Now, it sounds like a small thing, but those kinds of behaviors can blow up relationships and ruin lives. And the thing is, something at work or the grocery store or on a call with your brother, something blows up in one area of your life, you can go home and blow up another. Does that make sense? It's pretty common, obviously, we've all been there. But what it comes down to is that when we don't have the courage to be vulnerable with ourselves and courageously work through the things that are really bothering us, we blow up even more areas of our lives and the lives of others. So as Brene Brown says, and this is my favorite quote of hers, when you don't acknowledge your vulnerability, you work your shit out on other people. I've seen this happen again and again and again in others and myself, um, it's just the way things work, but it doesn't have to be. Um, I believe that that's what's happening in the world today um, on top of coronavirus. Everyone is so afraid. 
Everyone has a different version of the coronavirus story happening to them right now, whether they're a frontline worker, someone who's had COVID and recovered, someone who's lost a friend or a family member to the sickness, someone maybe who's stuck at home with their thoughts for the very first time. Um, and with everything that's brought meaning to people's lives, it's out there somewhere and they're not sure whether it's ever going to return. That's scary. We're all afraid of something. And whether we're afraid we'll be out of work too long, we could be afraid to go back to work. Um, I'm, I'm kind of afraid of going grocery shopping. Um, <laughs> I'm afraid if I ask someone to keep my distance in line the other day, this woman was standing right over my shoulder and it freaked me out. And I told someone later that I didn't know what to do. They're like, just turn around and tell them to back off. And I'm like, right now everyone is so volatile and it's just, I just couldn't do it. Um, we're all scared of we, weird, crazy things right now. And it's insane that this is the world we're currently living in. So let's just acknowledge that all of us, whatever our politics, our culture, whatever, this is happening to us all. Talking to you too. Yeah, you. The one who's sitting there going, well, I'm very fortunate because see, I haven't had to deal with, now stop, stop that right now. <laughs> it's very beautiful and it's sweet and noble that you want to go there, but be careful. This is actually the biggest trap you can fall into. And I've been there myself. I'll explain by telling you a little story. On 9-11, I lived in New York City. And I was determined. I'd make it there. I moved there in 2000. I lived there for about a year. I was 25. I'd already been in five different sublets, had three different jobs, was paying my dues. I was a waitress and a bartender. I finally landed in a training program for a career I really wanted. I trained all summer and the fall was when it was finally going to hit the ground running. I found a room to rent that was not a converted living room. It was a bedroom with a door and a lock and four windows, a lock and four windows for a 25 year old at that time living in New York. That was kind of crazy. Um, but I woke up this one beautiful Tuesday morning. Everything was about to flow my way. And I felt so much gratitude, just so much gratitude that morning. And wait, wait, what is that weird noise? Why is my roommate whimpering in the other room? She was watching the news after the first plane had hit the World Trade Center. Um, the gratitude that I had had that morning vanished, and I didn't see it again for five years. And what took its place was something else. It sounded like gratitude a um, little bit. I think that's what I was trying to convey um, when people from home would call or other people living in the city, my friends, and they would ask if I was doing all right. Of course, I said, absolutely, yes. Like, you know, if a stranger is going to ask, of course, you don't reveal, but not even to my mother, father, closest friends and family. I just said, I'm okay. Because deep down, all I was thinking is thousands of people are dead. Families have lost loved ones and witnesses on the street they'd be scarred for life. I even knew some and what they were going through. I wasn't going through that. So me feel bad, not be okay. No way. What did I have to feel bad about? <laughs> um, other people in my mind at that time were entitled to their feelings, but I couldn't even acknowledge mine without feeling strangely guilty. And when I look back on it now, it's like, I felt like I was some kind of a superhuman, like this person who could just get through this without any in any way have it carrying anything with me. Um, but then you fast forward to 2006 when I was back in California. I attended a 9-11 remembrance at my church. It was the fifth year anniversary and something just snapped. 
um, I was in the middle of the service and it came on like a tidal wave. It was just this grief. And I had to run out of the service and I cried. Like I really, really cried. And believe it or not, like I didn't cry hardly at all. Like I didn't understand why I had no emotions around 9-11 at all. Like when people would talk about it, because as soon as I moved back to California from New York, everyone was crying all the time. I'm like, what is wrong with everyone? Um, because I would always then refer back to what do I have to cry about? You know, um, um, but really along with suppressing those feelings, I have very little memory of those five years of my life. And they play back in my mind now, like kind of this blurry black and white. Um, there's this move I don't remember. Of course, there was a breakup with someone. So that probably played into it. But still, I had just gotten so good at stuffing emotions. Um, there were a lot of other things that happened during that time that solidified that, that I'm definitely not going to talk about here. But I started it there. I started it after 9-11, just stuffing and stuffing and stuffing. And my mom came to me after that service and she sat me down and she said, why don't you tell me what you lost on 9-11? And I started blubbering my, you know, nothing. I didn't lose anything compared to blood. And she's like, no, 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 no. She asked me what I lost, me. What did I lose? And I started thinking about it. And there was a lot that happened. There's a lot of when once some of the dominoes start to fall elsewhere, things start to happen to the little people and things happen to me. Um, a lot of things that I won't go into now, but um, it was really hard. Um, a lot of things that did directly affect me, but they felt so little to me in the in this grand scope that I refused to even acknowledge them um, out of some kind of weird pride of being this person that doesn't need any help. Um, um, and I think in the beginning, I genuinely meant well, because it's true. There were a lot of people that were suffering so much worse than I was. I felt like I didn't want to take up space or in people's like empathy minds or something. Um, but it caused me to live as a shadow of myself. I was like this shadow person moving through the world. And I wasn't just hurting myself. I was getting angrier and angrier. Um, and of course, I was taking things out on other people, just like Brene Brown said. I was not easy to live with. Um, and so in turn was hurting my family, my friends. And I'm so glad for that intervention because it really meant a lot to me that I could start learning. It was the first time I'd ever really just sat down and thought about, hmm, what kind of pain do I actually feel? Um, and realize that that was okay. So when I see all of the anger and the videos of people brawling on the floor at a Target over the mask rule, it just reminds me of Brene Brown's words. They were so true. I lived through it. When we don't acknowledge our vulnerability, we work our shit out on other people. And on top of that, we actually start destroying ourselves from the inside. It can really hurt in the long term. So just imagine instead of a city full of people or a, a tri-state area full of people directly hurt by this you know, this international tragedy, the whole world is going through this right now. You, me, everyone, people on the other side of the planet, and your part is no smaller than anyone else's. And if the whole world is filled with pent up emotions, it's not going to help matters at all. So let's start small. Let's start with ourselves and our families and our friends. And let's start by being there for ourselves and each other. And I'm going to give you some ideas for how to do it. Um, it'll be really hard and it's going to take a lot more courage and vulnerability than you're used to if you're the kind of person like me who prefer not to take up space and, and have people, you know, worrying about you and that kind of thing. Um, but here are, I have six ideas 
um, oh wait, there's five, five, I, I combined two, um, that you can do to help yourself and ultimately help the people around you also. Number one is just like with my mom, talk to someone you love. And maybe the person you're most likely to snap at, I was living with my parents at that time. Oh God, I feel so sorry for them now. Anyway, so maybe sit down with whoever you're quarantining with and ask each other what you've lost. Ask what you're grieving. Um, ask each other what you miss the most about the time before the lockdown and what you're the most afraid you're going to lose as a result of it. It's important to acknowledge these things and make sure you just really listen to each other and and have compassion with each other. It's a really hard time right now for us all. And we all need to be able to let those things go or at least let, or at least feel them acknowledged for them to come out. Number two, if you can't or don't want to do that kind of thing with others, if you just don't feel comfortable yet, maybe try to journal it. Even if you're not a journaling kind of person, um, just get it out somehow. Use a you know, app on your phone to record you saying it, then you can erase it. But anything you can just to actually just ask yourself that question, what did you lose? It's worth it. But at this, even just by yourself, it takes courage because you might start crying. You might get angry. Um, whatever happens, um, there is a valuable tool you can take with you into this moment, into this kind of a process. You can, it's called Meditation with Rain. I've talked about it on previous episodes. You can find it at tarabrach.com, T-A-R-A-B-R-A-C-H.com slash rain. Um, it's a meditation that is also something you can use for a journal prompt. It helps you deal with your emotions. And it, the very first step is to recognize them. And that can be the hardest part uh, and identify them, especially if you're just in this ragey, weird, anxiety-filled moment, you may have too many emotions to even figure out what they are. Um, so this is a really great way to do it. You identify your emotions. The second step is to learn and to accept the emotions instead of fighting them. Third is to investigate where they're coming from. And then the fourth is to learn to have compassion on yourself or nurture yourself. It's a really great process called Meditation with Rain. Really helps you if you just want to deal with it by yourself first. Um, It'll help you work through your stuff. I'll put that link in the show notes. Number three, if you are really struggling, if you're dealing with a lot of things that, you know, there are people suffering hardships that other people right now on this planet do not and cannot understand. Um, if you can't afford therapy, uh, I've heard great things about BetterHelp, the app. Hopefully you can find a way to get therapy through your health insurance. If you don't have health insurance, um, there are ways to get a therapist. It can be expensive. There are a lot of them who work on sliding scales. But BetterHelp is something that for about the same as one therapy appointment, that's what you pay for a monthly fee. You get weekly sessions, the ability to text your therapist. Now, this might seem like a lot of money, um, and especially at a time like this. But if you're struggling, like if you're really struggling, just remember that this is really important stuff, especially if you're really having a hard time. Uh, maybe you're self-medicating. I completely get that. I've been there, done that. Um, it can get dangerous and it can pile up and lead to a lot of other things. And life's not probably going to get a lot easier anytime soon. This change seems like it's basically the new status quo. Um, so let's not blow up our relationships um, we don't have to blow up our future. It's so worth it every single dime. And I think something like BetterHelp is a decent place to start, um, especially if you don't have the money for anything else. Um, 
Anyway, I'll put a link in the show notes and please let me re remind you, or if I told you, I don't have any relationships with any of these organizations or the people I'm going to list here. Not that that wouldn't be amazing someday, but um, haven't gotten there yet. But this is just a list of resources that I think are really helpful. Um, number four is the easiest one of them all. It's watch Brene Brown's Netflix special, The Call to Courage. Totally worth it. Trust me, I will put a link in the show notes. Um, you can also just um, search for Brene Brown in Netflix. It's B as in boy, B-R-E-N-E -E Brown. Um, she's amazing. And she's not overly sentimental. She's like kind of in this perfect like Goldilocks spot of being able to really reach just about anybody in a super powerful way. It's She's got her superpower. She's amazing. Anyway, so Brene Brown's Netflix special, The Call to Courage. Number five, write to me. <laughs> I'm in this boat too. I'm not a therapist. Uh, going to be a chaplain, but I'm not there yet. Um, we can be quarantine buddies, or pen pals, or email pals. Um, you can reach me at kara at playgrounding.com. It's K-A-R-A at playgrounding.com. I will write you back. You don't have to sign up for my email list, but if you do, just click reply and I'll be on the other end. So I think these are the kinds of steps that can be a great start. They will help us become a part of the solution in this ridiculous, broken, angry time. And maybe when you're out in the world scrolling through social media, or maybe not out in the world, maybe just hanging out in your living room, scrolling through social media, and someone says something that makes your blood boil. And maybe we'll be the kind of people who realize that that person is scared too, just like us. Maybe they're scared of different things than you are, but to them, those things are just as frightening as your fears are to you. So let's do the work that will help us to be the kind of people who respond with grace. Grace in the face of fear. Imagine, it's worth a shot. Even if just a few of us try, it's pretty powerful stuff. So what does courage have to do with play? Lots. We haven't talked about play yet, but just like our deep pesky emotions that are hard to deal with, your play personality sometimes needs to be coaxed out. We don't just go from burned out and stressed to carefree and playful in a snap. It takes time and it also takes courage. Stacey Newman Weldon, she's the adventure mindset mentor and founder of Adventure Wednesdays. She's been on the podcast before, and she's going to be on it um, some more going forward in kind of these little mini interviews that I've done with her. She wrote an ebook called The Finding Fun Playbook, as opposed to workbook. In it, she outlines 10 steps for developing your adventure mindset so that you're, can, you can transform yourself into the type of person who sees the joy in life and allows yourself to experience it and actually runs out to get it instead of maybe hiding from it and believing that you're not the kind of person who either deserves it or even can have it. So I did 10 mini interviews with her so that we could introduce you to the steps in her book. And this week it's number one, courage. Here's Stacy. is a good thing fear is something that tells us something's wrong <laughs> we need to change yeah. but yeah yeah no but but the other side of fear is that it can also be limiting absolutely you know there is fear of real danger and then there's fear of imagined danger yeah exactly and and it's you know that's where the the awareness journey of you know 
this is and that was part of the inspiration for this this booklet is to help identify what what those fears are mm-hmm. um to to because a lot of times they're so ingrained you don't even know what they no. are so you need to do things to help expose mm-hmm. it and once they come to light then you can start finding the the cool ways to sort of flip it on its head. So in a way, this booklet kind of helps you and your philosophy kind of helps you learn how to use your imagination as a force for good instead of a force for <laughs> reinforcing fear, which is what we all call anxiety. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. So what are some of the, are there any examples you can give from the book? This isn't your typical ebook. I was actually shocked when I, because it's a downloadable book and it's not your typical like 10 pages with really big fonts of stuff, you know? I mean, it's great. I love books like that that have little things I can print out. And, but this is meaty. The 10 tips, right? There's 10 adventures. There's 10, yep. There's there's 10, well, not 10 adventures. It's actually my my 10 philosophies. philosophies. 10 great. <laughs> Concepts, I really like it. And and the first one I start with is, is courage, mm. you know, is to embrace courage. And because a lot of times, you know, if you think about it, courage means that you have to have fear in order to have mm-hmm. courage. And so, you know, the part of the, the, the biggest issue that I see for a lot of people is, is taking that first step into actually doing something. Yeah. And so I explain, you know, to embrace your fear and embrace the courage. And it's okay to take small steps. You know, it, it's like, um, it, it, you know, it, it's like getting ready to have an adventure mindset in a lot of ways is, is to first identify that you've got the fear and then embrace the courage so that it becomes easier for you to take that first step. Mm-hmm. And especially if you break it down. Oh, this kind of it's thing. so valuable. And it's so hard because I mean, it's, it's such a valuable tool. You know, we all know that being playful and all this, we understand neurologically, we've read the articles of how it helps our brains and these kinds of things, but getting from here to there is so hard. And all of the work that you've done actually gives people really practical advice. (laughs) It's hard to find that advice too in normal places. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like the first step I took um, on my very first adventure was I went out my office, a different Mm -hmm. door. Now, how hard is that? (laughs) You know, so people are like, oh, I can, I can do that, you know, and, and then, you know, so then I just took a, walked a different route home and that doesn't seem outrageously hard, but when you're open to looking at things differently, mm-hmm. um, or become willing to look at things differently, then it becomes easier. Yes. So you're like, okay, I'm going to try taking a different route home and see what shows up. And you're not really risking your life and limb. <laughs> But uh, you are risking your sense of perspective, but that's that's a bonus that comes almost like later. Exactly. It's not, and it's not risking in being embarrassed either, showing up someplace by yourself. I mean, those are baby steps. I mean, even that first week, I remember you told the story of how you did take that different route home and you saw a place you thought, maybe next time I'll go to that place by myself. And you had a week to sort of prepare yourself for that possibility. And then you went there and every one of your adventures that you've seemed to have shared personally were small steps that built on each other. That is what to me is the brilliance of how you teach and how you coach. 
right or guide but, you know i mean yeah the the it, it is a big encourage does it and actually throughout my ebook i'll sort of reference it but or, or rely on it but adventures build upon adventures yep. and and so like this first step of embracing courage every time you do something courageous it'll it'll give you the confidence to do that next thing mm-hmm. yes so that was that's you know what i really found so wonderful about you know and and something that i find in my life you know that adventures build upon adventures mm-hmm. so the ability like you know my son's um got me to jump off, you know, I had to take courage. And I think I talk about this in another step too. Oh, in uh, another tip was to dare yourself. Mm-hmm. And I had to dare myself to jump off a bridge, <laughs> which, you know, I mean, all right, it sounds suicidal, but it, it's one of those things that this is one of those, you know, it's a low lying bridge, it's over a creek and it's high tide and, okay. and people have, you know, for decades jumped off it like it's a diving yeah. board. And my kids were doing it repeatedly and, but I'm not a good swimmer. You know, I I grew up with, you know, always getting swimmers ear and all that stuff. But, um, it was one of those things that I realized I have a fear of letting go, Mm. like physically letting go. And, and I realized this also, like when I was take, taking a trapeze lesson with my kids, kids are inspiring a lot of times. Because they actually help you get back to that inner child, you know. It's like they're an excuse to get back Aww. to your inner child, you know. Um, but I, you know, I I realize I have a fear of letting go. But once I do it, it's so much fun, you know. Like when I was on the trapeze, once I finally got off the little perch and swang, I had the best time. I loved swinging. I could easily flip upside down and you know hang by my knees and and swing. And, you know, while I was up on that bridge, um, you know, it was during a messy time in my life, you know, it was, I was having multiple romantic relation problems. So, you know, part of what persuaded me to let go was like, if I can do this, if I can let go and jump, Mm -hmm. I can let go of this bad relationship. You know, I was like, I could, in my mind, I was giving myself that parallel. Yeah. And I finally did, you know, finally did let go and jumped and, um, it was fun. I, all right. I didn't dive like my kids or do a backflip like my kids. <laughs> I did a cannonball, cool, not graceful, but it was great. And then, you know, it was a short swim to the, to the edge to get back. And they actually talked me into doing it two more times and it was each time got easier. And then later, you know, then fast forward what a week or whatever, I actually did manage to do things to help take steps to let go of that bad relationship. Wow. So it, it, that's where it's like they intertwine, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's all right. You're like a bad relationship and jumping off a bridge. How can they connect? But that feeling inside of courage and I can do this was what was important, especially to me. Interesting. It is, that is strange. That is a really cool idea to think of it that way. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, but that's also where it helps you think differently when you're, you know, when you're kind of pushing your limits and facing fears, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah. And, and making the connection, it was, it was, it was big. For yeah. Me. <laughs> well, that is. Yeah. And then, you know, fast forward a few more, uh, I guess a couple years after that, 
um, my girlfriend's signed up for uh, jumping out of an airplane. And and I thought we were going to one of those, I think they call them I fly places where it's like you're inside a building and you go into like a wind tunnel, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's very controlled. So that's what I thought we were doing. And it wasn't until I got the email that says, okay, you're going to be doing tandem jumping. And I was like, tandem, tandem. And so it's like, it's like, what do you mean? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I didn't realize what I had said yes oh. to. <laughs> so, but I had learned about, you know, the, the fact that I, I admit I still have, you know, kind of a fear of letting go at times, mm-hmm. um, especially at high oh, heights. Me too. And, 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 but when we were in the plane, um, I, as you know, I had the instructor, you know, attached to my mm-hmm. back or whatever. And I, and I, we were heading towards the door and I went to almost like stable myself and grip the, the side, the handlebar that was above the mm-hmm. door. And I, I quickly had to take it away because I knew if I held on to mm-hmm. it, I would not let go. Oh my God. And since I was the first one, it would have held everybody else up and they would have been so mad. <laughs> so I just crossed my arms and, and relied on, you know, I had to let go and have faith in the instructor. Mm-hmm. But I knew that in order to do this thing, I, I had to um, have, you know, let go and, and have faith that somebody else will take care of me. And Yes, I also closed my mm-hmm. eyes very tightly. And, and as we're at the edge and he's saying something in my ear, um, I'm like going, open your eyes, open your eyes. You can do this. Open your eyes. And the second I opened my eyes is when we went right out the door. And it was so much fun. I felt like Mary oh. Poppins flying, you know, and then the parachute went up and it was like, oh, this is just like a roller coaster, you know, oh my goodness. the parachute going up. And then it's so gentle coming down. Mm. It was like I hadn't I hadn't imagined it, but it was like so worth not holding on to that ledge. I hope you enjoyed my first mini interview with Stacy Newman Weldon. You'll hear the other steps woven into future episodes of the podcast, but you can download the ebook for free at my.adventurewednesdays.com slash finding fun. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, You can always leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It'll go a long way toward helping Playgrounding get found by people who might need it, might need a little fun in their lives. I don't know. Just if you think about doing it, just go ahead and do it. Anyway, until next week, go find a baby step that you can take toward doing something you find fun. Might take a little creativity, but I believe in you. Have a great week.